Welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. This is a space where we talk about what it means to awaken hope and empower change. Listen, for over a decade, Em and I have been fostering relationships with men and women who've been impacted by the commercial sex industry. And it's through those relationships that Jesus Said Love was born. We figured it was time to talk about what this ministry has taught us and is still teaching us along the way. I promise it's gonna be a place of conversation and story. And we hope you learn something new. Maybe you see something in a new way. Fun fact, you're gonna hear music because Brett and I are musicians. Yep. We can't just talk, nope. we gotta sing and play too. We do. Here's the deal guys. Our hope is that as you hear these stories, that you'll tap into your own story and that you'll be encouraged to live and love well like Jesus. Hello, Emily. Hey, Brett. How are you? I'm good. I am glad to be here. And the mic is on you today. It kind of is. Um, I uh, I got to be honest, it's Friday. Okay. And this is the first time I've had to sit down and take a breath today. We've kind of been going hard. So are you working for the weekend? I'm working for the weekend. I'm, I've never understood that. Oh, really? I mean, you just work so you can get to the weekend and not work? Yes. But we're working this weekend. Right, but it's this whole expression of like, you know, people like grinding, like living for the weekend instead of living for every day of your life. Right, yeah. So it's just the whole, you know, premise of work culture. Like grind, 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 and then just, you know, let off some steam. Well, how how are you doing? Because we're we are right in the thick of back to school. And yeah, you've just been navigating that. I am transitions. I'm willing to say hard for me, and they take a lot of grace and patience. I think last year was the first year that I was able to admit to myself, um, yeah, that transition is challenging. So I think last summer, right around summer, I wrote a little piece on my Instagram called transition, mm-hmm. and. I'm, I need to go back and like read that to myself again because it just requires so much grace. Yeah. I feel like I just got here really quickly. Yeah. But, but speaking of transitions, let's jump in because we got a lot to talk about. So that's true. So we are, you know, it's fresh start, uh, new school year. And so we felt like here at JSL, it would be a good time to take the month of August and really shine a spotlight on the demand side of the sex industry. Very important. And so in doing a lot of research, you know, when we started almost 16 years ago now, wow, um, we were only working on the supply side, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, going into strip clubs, taking bags and gifts and building intentional friendships and sharing Jesus in a very practical way with Mm -hmm. the women and um, and that's all we were doing at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And then from there grew some empowerment programs because women would say, I, I want to get out of this. I want to have a job or get, go back and get my education. And at that point we didn't have programs. And so we created programs that were built off of their needs, not off of a really slick business plan. And so that kind of paved the way for access mm-hmm. And for what has become known as Lovely Enterprises, Mm -hmm. which is this social enterprise arm of what we're doing at JSL. And so a couple of years ago, if we look at, you know, I wish I had my whiteboard in front of me. Unfortunately, we don't have that in a podcast. Somebody Mm -hmm. needs to create a whiteboard for a podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you do that. but It's kind of like scratch and sniff. Can't really do that, Brett. (laughs) I know. That's true. That's true. 
<laughs> scratches but, but if, podcast. if you can if you can look at the at it like a balance you know the the, the commercial sex industry is a financial economic force mm-hmm. okay so the commercial sex industry is a 472 billion dollar industry a year yes that it, is nothing to shake a stick at right and that's more than the NFL the MLB Right, Major League Baseball, I always, and the NBA combined, combined, combined. Yeah, nuts, nuts. And so, when when we're looking at that, and and you know, we've talked about this before, but the, the commercial sex industry includes everything from stripping to prostitution to human trafficking to porn, uh, porn escorting, filming, you know, gaming. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? I was going to say game. webcamming. Just say game, game camera, but yeah. that's not, that's for hunting. Yeah, webcam. Yeah, erotica. Um, <laughs> does it include like erotica, like phone lines? If those yeah, are still a thing, it, and I've seen commercials. Yeah, I think yeah, they're yeah. still in there. Uh-huh. Uh, but it also includes sex products, right? Because one thing that we're finding Novelty in a lot of the, stores in in the in the sex shops, there's usually back rooms where things mm-hmm. are going on. Yeah. as well of the not up and up nature. Mm-hmm. And so when you combine all of those, and we should also say the ones who report. Yeah, this is of what we can, what the government can tax on. Right. This there's is what so they can much, see on paper. There's so much underground So much that money. we don't even it, see. It Millions, even, billions, who knows? But but just to give put it in perspective, so $472 billion that we know can, of yeah. for the sex industry, the global... That means worldwide. That's what global means. The global beauty market, uh-huh. 360-something billion. Okay. Yeah, which is so huge. And we we would think that's got to be more huge than people who are participating in commercial sex, whether it's products or novelties or um, dating services, strip clubs, you know, sex tourism, you would think like beauty products would be a um, way bigger, totally. You know, especially in America, we're we're vain. so. Is that an American number or a global number? That's a global number. Okay, that's global. Yeah, for the sex industry. Yeah. I'm just making sure it wasn't just America. No, I've got <laughs> I've got some numbers for America, and yeah. it's not it's not awesome for right, us. Right, right, right. Um, and 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 so I, I think when we were when we were looking at what we were doing here at JSL, you know, we're, we're realizing we're impacting those. Um, who have been impacted by yeah. the commercial sex industry. But at the time, we were only working with those on the supply side. Right. And in order for us to truly affect this industry, which we felt like was necessary, um, we had to explore the supply side. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the demand side. It's simple economics, supply and demand. Because if if we really want to do away with, with the buying of sex, which I'm just going to say this, sex buying is harmful. Straight up, um, if you're buying sex, you're you're bringing harm into the world, into someone, into yourself, into your relationships, and I can't say it enough. It is harmful, um, and so given that, uh, we want to affect that industry. Yeah, and so in order to do that, we got to start working on the demand side. And so a couple of years ago, this is kind of how I got into it because honestly, it was not on my radar. Well, you want me to share how you got into it? Yeah, yeah, Emily, why don't you why don't you do that? Why don't you share how I got into this? Right, because this is this is what's happening in your life this thus far, you know. We are uh 
yeah, you have joined this ride and you have been in so many ways um, derailed, but also really found life and life giving in your lane and in your calling. Um, And you've really come alive, especially with Stop Demand School, which is what we're going to talk about eventually. But okay, so how we how we started tackling demand. So we are a part of a coalition here in our in Central Texas, the Heart of Texas Human Trafficking Coalition, and this is a coalition of several different committees. There's prevention committee, there's education mobilization, I mean aftercare, there's all sorts of committees that meet. At the time, I was serving um, really regularly on the prevention committee, and a former Waco PD officer Officer Anita was at that committee meeting and we began to talk about the issue of demand and we began to say, you know, if we, if we really want to prevent, I mean, you're not going to eradicate human trafficking when you have a, a demand for it, like zero, no, that's not going to happen. And so we just kept talking about the demand, the demand, that this is supply and demand. As long as there's a demand, there's going to be a supply because vulnerable women and women in poverty are going to be prey to the demand. That And pimps know this and traffickers know this. And anyway, so Officer Anita said, well, you know, I led the first John School in Texas when we ran it through the PD system here. And she said, um, I have a lot of experience that. I was an undercover prostitute prostitute for years. I was part of those arrests and those stings. And then we would teach the guys um, about what this industry is. And she said, I have a real passion uh, for teaching uh, the demand. And I want to reinstitute this John School. I don't know what we could call it, but I know the PD can't do it. There's a lot of regulations now in the state that prohibit us from running it through our PD. Um, And so I don't know. I'm just trying to think of how could we resurrect this program and maybe improve on it, you know, because it was like decades old by the time she was talking about it. Well, and to be fair, I had heard of the John School, but I actually, this is where it gets weird for me. I actually thought Johns came to Waco to learn how to be Johns. I think there were some people in Dallas who actually were volunteering for us at the time, and they were like, we heard Waco has a John school where they're like training people how to be Johns, because right. that is what it sounds like, but they just, they it was, didn't know. It was know. not that. It was no, if you no, get no. busted for being yes. a John, then you yes. have to go to a John school. Yeah. So at this coalition meeting, uh, at the prevention committee meeting, uh, I said, well, you know, what if we brought it up under a nonprofit? And... um that's how the whole thing began is I basically offered the JSL nonprofit to host uh, what we then titled Stop Demand School. And I do think it's interesting that I was not at the meeting that you offered that up. No, you were not there. I actually began it as a conversation, not as a firm yes, but said, let's, well, let's have a conversation, you know, with officer Anita and let's, let's talk to her about her experience. So I just set up a meeting between you guys and off y'all went. That was almost three years ago. Yeah. No, that was actually four because it it took, it it took a couple of years to really get the DA and get, um, probation and judges kind of on board for how we were going to institute this program. Um, so why don't you tell us now, what is Stop Demand School 
maybe start there and then tell us why this is so important and why the demand and what you teach about. And right. Yeah. So, um, stop demand school is a, well, it started out as a sex buyers intervention program. Yeah. So for men who get busted buying sex in McLennan County, um, if it's their first time offense, um, they can enter a thing called pretrial diversion. Mm -hmm. And that's where they have about a list of eight or nine steps. They have to accomplish these things. If they accomplish it, then their charges can be reduced or even dismissed. And so uh, we worked really hard to get our school to be a part of one of those expectations. And so now men have the opportunity to come take our class. Mm -hmm. It's an eight-hour course on a Tuesday, um, and it's with me. Mm -hmm. And so I've gotten to know lots of Johns in Mm -hmm. McLennan County. Uh, To date, we've had 150 guys go through, um, and it has really grown to become a very special part of what I get to be a part of Mm -hmm. um, at JSL. Yeah. So when they register for the school, so probation or a judge or an attorney recommends them for the course, and they go online because everything's done online. You can't show up with cash. You can't show up. You got to do it online. And so they pay, what's the... They pay 525 bucks. Okay, so they pay $525 to take this course as a part of their probation, yes. as has been determined. That money then goes to support survivors. The city does not get kickback. There's nope. no city political... Anything. County uh, doesn't get anything. No. Sheriff's office doesn't get anything. Right. There's no... That money goes back into Jesus Said Love, into the programs of the supply side. Yes. So what? Which has a component of restitution yeah. and, and restoration and, and yeah. And the interesting thing about the money, it always gets brought up at the class because the guys are frustrated that it's so expensive. And to be honest, we're actually one of the cheapest schools mm. in the country. On average, there's, there's about 48 other schools around the country mm-hmm. that do similar stuff of what we're doing. And on average, it's 1000 to $1,500. Mm-hmm. A course, because I think what people are realizing is if there's a monetary um, component to um, buying sex, that will help you not do that again, mm-hmm. at least in theory. You know, mm-hmm. um, I know in, in the state of Texas, a DUI can your very first one can cost you upwards of seventeen thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and it's a Class B misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. So that's the same thing with a prostitution charge mm-hmm. is a Class B misdemeanor. Um, but the fine is so much less. Exactly. Cause it's, it's about what we, what we value. And I think for me and working with women on the supply side, that's the injustice that just evokes, you know, just pain in me is that it's like, we really don't even from a systemic level value women. Yeah. I mean, because women are the majority. Of course, there's you know a rise in the transgender population, and um, of course, homeless youth mm-hmm. are are at risk as well. Um, but of, of those who provide sexual services, but you know, it is it's just remarkable to me that in twenty almost twenty twenty that we're still still so far behind in, in so many ways of systemically protecting women and, and especially poor women. Yeah. 
you know? And it's, you know, it's, I don't even use the word prostitution anymore. It's sex buying. Mm -hmm. It's buying people. Sure. And when you start phrasing it that way, it, I mean, in my class, that's how we, that's how I talk to them. Mm -hmm. It's you tried to buy a person. Mm -hmm. Let's think about that for a minute. What Mm -hmm. that actually means. You tried to buy a person and you're griping that you had to pay $525 to come to a class. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about buying people, but yet we're not penalizing it on that level. And I think it should, you know, I got to go to the governor's office and say this mm-hmm. um, a couple of months ago, but I think it should at least be equivalent to a DUI charge. Mm. It affects lives. It affects people. It affects family. The same thing happens with a DUI. Mm-hmm. So the penalty, I believe, should be the same. So mm-hmm. if you're listening and you're of the lawmaking persuasion, can you please do something about that? I'll come (laughs) tell a story or something. So tell us why it's harmful. I mean, I think that's the question we get all the time is, but if it's two consenting adults, and I know even John's who take the class, it's like, why is, why is buying sex not okay for communities? Why is it, even if you take out the spiritual, any kind of spiritual reason to it, but just morally and ethically of the fabric of community, why is buying sex, you know, a part of evil structure? Yeah. So we've been, we've been studying this for a while now and I'll be honest. Um, I do not teach this course from the spiritual perspective. Right. Um, it's not a faith-based course for offenders. Mm-hmm. Now we have another option of it where that does include the faith component. So I've really tried to look at the sex industry um, apart from my faith perspective. And uh, I've honestly tried to to find myself to agree with the argument that prostitution should be legal. Mm-hmm. But every time I'm almost there, I'm confronted with some kind of roadblock. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, there are zones in our country where prostitution is legal. Um, I can say the research shows the issues that those folks deal with Mm -hmm. are the same statistically that those who are not in legalized areas deal with. Mm. So, for instance... 69% 69% of women in the commercial sex industry suffer from PTSD. Yeah, that's what is reported. Right. And that's the same percentage as men and women coming off the battlefield. So clearly it's a significant issue. And we would say, again, that's what's reported. And those who've been evaluated by a mental health expert and who have been diagnosed, mm-hmm. they're, the women that JSL sees, all of them are At displaying PTSD 100%. symptoms. 100%. And I have not met one who hasn't been dealing with some level of um, post-traumatic stress. Uh, And sometimes that can be managed just through therapy. Sometimes it becomes um, part of, you know, depression, anxiety. It can be interplaying with bipolar and those types Mm -hmm. of things that are going on. But I, I don't know of one. That's a low number. What I'm saying is yes. that's a low yes. number. Yes, okay. it is. In our, so that's in one our, issue. In our experience. Okay, so so people who are um, consistently prostituting uh, themselves or being pimped out or trafficked are all dealing with, um, we believe, some level. It is traumatic work. Absolutely traumatic. I mean, we're, we've, we've seen folks with traumatic, trauma-induced schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. So um, on the on the porn side, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm reading interviews of of right. actors that are currently in the industry. Yeah. That say on any given day, every actress on set would be willing to commit suicide. What? Yeah, I mean, I was blown away when I when I read that because they give off this impression like, oh, it's great, and oh, I'm making all this money. But for instance, there's I won't name the actress, but um, she was one of the top grossing porn stars, 23 mm. years old. Mm. She was in the industry for three years. Wow. She ended up hanging herself in a tree mm. because her last porn shoot. Um, Something happened mm. and um, something that was violent and was not what she wanted. And she reached out for help and um, she kind of got abused on Twitter. Mm. Um, and that led to her suicide. Wow. And um, I what, just, what I don't porn, see how that's beneficial. What I, porn and prostitution. So number one. It, there, it's trauma. It's there's trauma all over it, and and interlace in different levels of it. We understand that that you know some women that we work with have endured um, deep and compounding trauma, and some that have been able to um, really not experience some of the deeper levels of trauma, which is a grace for them in mm-hmm. many ways. Um, but. So, so you definitely have just trauma, whether you're in porn or whether you're in prostitution. But can we talk about the fact that the reason why, one of the reasons why porn and prostitution and commercial sex exploitation is so exploitive it, and it is corrupt and it is an evil in so many ways is that um, the violence that is required for women to endure, I mean... This industry, if you, if you ask me why shouldn't prostitution be legal, um, because it doesn't promote gender equality. And I know there is a movement. I would consider myself a feminist. I think the feminists are, are, are out of, all out of line on this one. Be careful. We might lose followers. We might. Who knows? <laughs> but um, what I'm saying is I would consider myself a feminist because what I understand of feminism is equality, Yes, equality between genders. You know, this is, these were co-laboring side by side together. That is what the heart of feminism, right, is. And so we're, if we're promoting equality, commercial sex automatically creates gender discrimination because there is a power deferential at differential at play where there is monetary, where, where sex is monetized, where there is a buyer, the buyer holds power. Yes. And so you don't get to choose anymore. Once that transaction is made, you are then bound to what that buyer, you know, wants to do. And so the argument is like, well, no, because when you get your haircut, there's different codes. And if prostitution was, legalized and there were different codes of conduct and standards. And if we could license it, because this is the other argument, if we can license it, we'll reduce harm. If we say, this is what prostitution is. You can't do this type of sex. You can't do that type of sex. You can't beat them. You can't do it unless they agree to it and they're licensed for that type of, you know, um, sex and porn or whatever. Okay. So we've regulated strip clubs. Has that stopped 
Right. Has that stopped men from raping women in VIP rooms? Mm-hmm. Has that stopped managers from turning a blind eye when women are raped in the parking lot or beaten or something gets shoved, a beer bottle gets shoved up them? Mm-hmm. None of those regulations, none of, because then you're talking about enforcement. How are you going to enforce? Are there cameras in the room? So now you've got, are you going to have a task force that's watching every sex encounter between a prostitute and a John? Are you going to watch it and see where their violation occurred? I mean, how, it, you see what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I mean, there's it also. It doesn't even make sense. There's also the, the argument in legalizing it that um, it, it makes it cleaner. And so what I mean by that is you reduce sexually transmitted diseases because, wait for it, um, the licensed prostitute is required to go have her body screened monthly for STDs. Um, She has to submit to drug tests and she has to pay her fine to have her license. (laughs) Who has to do this, Brett? The the prostitute does. Who is usually the prostitute? The female. Or the marginalized person. Or the marginalized person. person. Right? So so the the burden is on them. Right. (laughs) Yeah, the prostitute. And and the thing is, though, what's funny about this logic is the the John, the guy who goes to the bunny ranch or the whatever... To have his transaction, does he carry a license? Right. Has he been swabbed? Uh, oh, I did find out in one of my classes, they do a spot test. But here's the thing. Oh, yeah. The spot test does not cover all no, of doesn't. the diseases that no. are out there. Yeah. And in our class, we cover all the diseases <laughs> that are found in McLennan County. It'll make your toes turn. Um, mm. But so, so we have this, this false narrative that it makes... It makes the inventory cleaner. That it reduces harm. It reduces harm. And it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. That is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're seeing that in the porn industry as well. Absolutely. I mean, you're seeing the the rampant HIV mm-hmm. things going yep. on. And those all both sides of, of men and women in right. porn are checked. But some people don't do their thing. And now right. all of a sudden they've slept with four, five, six people who now have slept with five, six, seven people. And now you have an industry that had to get shut down mm. because you got disease running mm-hmm. rampant. Um, it's just, I, there, it's just, I mean, it's oh, unhealthy. Well, well, then we could talk about human trafficking, you oh, know, the totally. areas where the areas where, uh, prostitution is legalized. Human trafficking is flourishing. Well, that's why Amsterdam, right. Is shutting down the legal red light district because they realized it has opened the doorway for traffickers and drugs. I mean, because in order for traffickers to have power and control over their victims, they have to continually keep them doped up. There is no way um, any child or woman or person can endure the level and the number. I mean, some of the numbers that we hear coming out of, you know, um, of, yeah, victims who have to serve as up, upwards of 20 men a day. Yeah. There's no way you can do that in your sober right mind. There is no healthy way to endure that without ingesting some sort of drug. And so, yeah, the drug, the prostitution, trafficking, it's all hand in hand. It's all, and it's, yeah. So um, I've been reading a lot of research articles, and this one I just found super, super fascinating. And it goes along with why this thing is harmful. So, the Urban Institute um, looked at uh, eight cities in the United States, and they looked at sex, sales, drug sales, gun sales. 
because mm-hmm. they realize they all go, they're, they're linked. Totally. Where there's sex for sale, there's drugs. Where yeah. there's drugs, there's guns. Where mm-hmm. You know, it's all together. So check this out. The number one city mm-hmm. is Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. $290 million in sex sales. Again, this is what's reported. Wow. Okay. Drugs, $117 million. <laughs> Guns, $146 million. Wow. Atlanta likes their sex. Yeah, sex is number one there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's come a little closer to home at the number five position, Dallas, Texas. Yeah. $99 million in sex sales. Mm-hmm. 191 million in drug sales mm. and 171 million in gun sales. Wow. wow. I mean, that, that, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, uh, you know, when you look at just the overarching narrative of what we're weaving for our country, that's what is just heartbreaking to me. We want to see these certain, violent things stop. You know, we, we look at what we've just grieved about with El Paso or Dayton, Ohio, and all the mass shootings that have taken place. And we're so disrupted and grieved over the violence and the guns. And, and it is, it's true. We need to be grieved over it. I mean, I am grieved over it. The, the racism, I'm grieved over all of it. It's violence. And when we look at where the roots of violence exist, look at how you're treating women and the poor. Yes. Look at how you're treating them in your communities and what kind of voice you're giving them. I mean, the, the oppressed, the marginalized, the sick. I mean, what are you doing there? Because as long as there is just this huge imbalance, I mean, Violence exists in those spaces where we are violently ignoring women and we are violently ignoring the poor and the sick and the uh, abandoned, the orphan, the widow, right? And, and um, yeah, it's, it's easy to, once you can dehumanize people, it's, it's easy to exploit and, and portray violence um, and well, yeah, enact I mean, violence upon them. When you look at the top 50 porn films... Oh that, yeah. That get the awards, you know, they mm-hmm. have the Academy Awards for porn. The top 50 films, yeah. I mean 97% of those are oh, yeah. have violent acts against women, right. both physical and mental. Right. And they're committed by men. Mhm. So that's the top 50 films in porn. Yeah. Um the one of the most number one search terms in porn category, mm. you know, you get on there and you type in what you want to see, rape. Number one. It's one of the highest, it's, it's one of the r- highest rising categories that's searched on Pornhub. Wow. Rape. Um, one of the shooters, mm. was it one of the shooters? Or, or, or maybe it was one of the kids that, they, that was going to try and they intercepted him before he did it, one mm. of the shootings. He had a rape list. High wow. school kid. Yeah. So he had his kill list, but then yeah. he had a rape list. Right. It's violence. So I it's, mean, it's just it, it's, dehumanizing. And, and it, when you can so dehumanize and desensitize humanity, then you can enact any kind of violence upon someone. And how we're seeing this play out, it, it, it's playing out with our kids. Absolutely. 
there is a series that I've been watching on, I think it's Showtime, called Euphoria. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend watching it unless you got a real strong sense about yourself because it's pretty hard to watch, but mm-hmm. it's, I think it's pretty accurate. Um, it, co- it covers high school kids and addiction and um, alcohol abuse and sex. And there, there's one scene in there that really just kind of blew my mind. But I think I think it's so true. Mm. So these two kids, they're about to have a sexual encounter. Uh, it's their first time. Um, they begin to do the act. And then he grabs her by the neck to choke her. Mm. And she pushes him off. And she says a bunch of words. Why are you doing that? And he said... I thought that's what you wanted. It turned, and in the next scene, you see him watching porn, mm. and that's what he sees in right. porn: mm-hmm. are the guys grabbing the women by the throat. Mm. And so, in his mind, that informed his process. This is what my girlfriend wants because that's mm. what I see on. That's harmful. <laughs> like, right. can, can we just get that? Yeah. Can we put those words out there to say you can't? You can't make stripper jokes anymore mm. to me. Mm-hmm. You can't um, you can't just say, oh, boys will be boys or, mm. oh, the locker room. You know, it's just what happens in the locker room. Or one, uh, one of my favorites that Lucy actually uh, spoke to us about was this idea, this kind of guy who's being a little bit mean to her, you know, in Lucy, class. Lucy, our daughter. Yeah, Lucy's our daughter. And, um, you know, there's this guy and she said, you know, and someone said, oh, he's, he's probably being mean to you because he likes you. And she was just like, well, that's a problem because <laughs> men and boys shouldn't treat me badly if they like me. Right. And but, weird... but I but I grew up with that. Sure. Oh, that's how boys flirt. They tease with you. you. They They're tease you if they you. like you. And we it's say like, that's okay. Ooh, oh, parents excuse their own kids. Parents excuse their own kids for bullying, for violence. I mean, and these are God-fearing, like, Christian parents who I watch every day excuse violence in their children. Mm. It's not okay. It's unhealthy. And it has repercussions. It has major repercussions on their brain develop, on, the, on their emotional develop, socially I mean, no, we, we have got to put an end to this notion of especially and particular, particularly letting young boys um, harness violence in such a way that is dehumanizing to, to women. I'm convinced. I've said it before. I don't know if I can back it up scientifically. I'm just convinced of it because of my experience in, in working with it day in and day out. But I think the issue is porn. I think porn is the driving issue behind all of this. And it let me, is. Let me connect some dots. Now, not for the eight years, for the little boys that I'm necessarily talking about, except that they're introduced to That's those correct. images yeah. for sure. Yeah. But we're, we're, you're going to get into porn being the driving factor for commercial sex, not necessarily just all violence. Oh, no, 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 no. yeah. Because we're not even talking about video games and Call of yeah, Duty no, and yeah, all no, yeah, those sorts yeah. of things, the obsession but particularly with commercial sex, what's driving this multi-billion dollar industry is porn. Yeah. And I think that's important to think about. I'm, I'm even thinking about a story that years ago, I'm sitting in the, the parking lot at one of the clubs. Um, we're on an outreach and you guys are inside giving gift bags. And um, this one particular club, the manager, I just loved him to death. Just a great, fun conversation, kind of, could be an asshole at times, but 
um, as we built our friendship and he got more vulnerable and more vulnerable, he had been in the industry since 1970. And, um, and so we were having a conversation one night in my truck and, and he said, you know, I remember when gentlemen's clubs, cause mm-hmm. that's what they were called. Mm-hmm. He said, I remember when gentlemen's clubs were actually gentlemen. Mm. And, um, <laughs> I was like, okay, where's this going? And he said, you know, people would come to the gentlemen's club dressed up and they would tip women really well and they would, they would treat them with respect and they would be gentle with them and they would say kind things to them. And the point of the stripper in the gentleman's club was, these are all his words, were to create a fantasy for the man. So it's still a very man-centered Oh, it's patriarchy. It's totally worse, that. yeah. But in his mind, you know, now it's 2000 and something, he's still managing what's called a gentleman's club. He goes, mm-hmm. there ain't no gentleman in here. Mm-hmm. He goes, guys come in here. They try to touch the girls. They, they, sit, they talk to the girls like they're animals, say things, so this, that, and the other. And, uh, and I said, so what do you think about that? And he goes, I, I honestly blame it on porn. Mm. He goes, because that's what they're seeing. That's, mm. that's where they get their education on intimacy and sex is mm. from porn. Mm. And then it just translates. And so... I just, I'm a firm believer that we, the, the porn problem is fueling the commercial sex industry. Allow me to demonstrate. I'm in one of the, my classes. There is, well, first of all, let me say, in Stop Demand School, um, we see every kind of buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are immigrants, people who, uh, we have one guy who wasn't a citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had professional athletes. We've had collegiate athletes. We've had doctors, lawyers, pastors, mm-hmm. missionaries, mm-hmm. teachers, military people. Anybody, basically, is what I'm trying to say. But this one guy stood out to me in one of the classes. And uh, so during the lunch break, I went up and said, hey, what's your story? So I don't, I'm not sure you're being fully upfront with us. And he goes, no, I kind of lied. I have him go around and introduce themselves and talk about whether they're there. He goes, no, I kind of lied. He goes, I'm actually a physician. Mm. He, he told people he just represented pharmaceuticals. Mm. And I said, okay, <laughs> talk about that. And he goes, well, I'm actually a really successful physician. And um, he, he was a doctor at a hospital, not in our city. And he was a triple board certified physician. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he is the guy they would call in when all the other doctors couldn't figure out what to do. They're calling this guy. Mm-hmm. Super smart. And I said, okay, how do you get here to this class? I know how you're here, but how are you here? And he said, well, when I was in medical school, it's hard. It's stressful. I was lonely. I formed a porn addiction. Mm. And as it progressed, I'm now a doctor. I'm now married. My wife is a doctor. He goes, Brett, we have more money than you can imagine. Um, He said, we are extremely successful financially. He goes, but I could not kick this addiction. Mm. And as we know from studying the research, uh, as the porn use continues, the addiction gets gr- greater and greater, and you start looking at crazier and crazier to, to satisfy your needs. And so finally, he moves from just watching it to watching it and trying to act out what he watched with his wife. And finally, it got to where it was too crazy for her, and she said, I don't want to have anything to do with this. This is weird. And so he decided, well, I'll just go buy someone. Mm-hmm. And he was able to have four transactions before he got busted. Mm. 
So just imagine this, this super wealthy guy owns homes all over, ends up at the Delta Motel in Waco, Texas Mm -hmm. to meet Mm -hmm. who he wants to buy. Yeah. And for him, and thankfully, I mean, the guy was like, I've been in therapy and it's been so helpful. And, you know, we talked through recovery and all of that. And he was moving in a good direction. But I look at this guy. This Mm -hmm. guy knows. He's educated. Mm -hmm. He knows. Yeah. He's, I mean, the number one buyer of commercial sex is college-educated white men. Mm-hmm. He's that guy. Yeah. And yet, because of, because of what he saw and got addicted to in pornography, it led him to that hotel room yeah. to where he got busted. It's just... It's, I think really, no matter what, what we're looking at in the world, no matter what evil we're, we're fighting or we're, we're up against... I think what we recognize now is we're not just here fighting, you know, commercial sex exploitation or trying to stop the demand or end human trafficking. Um, we are we are asking people to what we say conceptually, I mean, re-enter Eden to rediscover mm. their own beginning and humanity that they were made for so much more. I think at the heart of every of every evil there is dehumanization, whether it's slavery or racism, segregation, you know, classism, all of all of it, sexism, you know, patriarchy. It doesn't matter what it is, at the heart of it someone is less than. Mm-hmm. Someone is um and now pornography has just yeah, we've we've given our eyes and brains this food to dehumanize uh, people over and over again, very violently through through sexual encounters. Yeah, I just you know, sex is great. Sex yeah. is beautiful, and God made it, and He made it to be great, and right. He made it to um, to be enjoyed. And we've you know, we've just messed it up. <laughs> And yet there's hope. There's oh, yeah. just so much hope. Um, you know, you've, you've definitely given us so much to talk about and think about. This is, we recognize that in talking about these things, these are heavy. Yes. And so I just want to take a moment because this is stuff that we deal with all the time. But I do, I do want to say, I recognize for a lot of our listeners, some of you don't know what to do with this. Some of you may be hearing this and it's, it might wreck your day. You may have heard things on this that... Um, information and and these next few episodes are going to be dedicated to uh, fighting the demand for sex for sale. And so I just want to encourage you, if there's a moment in the podcast from this point forward as you listen that you need to stop and take a break or it gets to be too much, like that's okay. You don't you don't totally. have to listen to all of this. I actually can't me myself. I don't even sit through a whole day of stop demand school. Yeah, it's you know, a lot. it's a lot. It's a it's a lot of heavy information, and um, and it is for those of us who've experienced any kind of trauma, especially sexual trauma. Um, it can evoke a re-traumatization, yeah. a, a trigger point. And so just be responsible with that. Talk to a friend about it. Go take a walk. Um, and don't lose heart and don't lose hope. I, the last thing we want is for listeners to feel like we're just, uh, we're a hope. Well, the world's gone to hell in a right. handbasket. Right, right, right. And it's, I, I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that. I believe, and 
and I am so critical. I'm so critical of myself, of, of others in the world and <laughs> to a fault sometimes, but I honestly, I'm not losing hope with this. Yeah. I believe we really can do better. And I believe we've seen that change in our own little small community of Waco. I see law enforcement. I see community agencies. I see survivors thriving now. And mm-hmm. that is encouraging to me. I also want to add to that, I think those are good words, that this is not about hating on men. Absolutely. Because I know some some of you may have heard Emily say feminist and... You know, you might be thinking, oh, here they go, get all liberal. No, I'm in, in these next several episodes, I'm inviting men into something better. Yeah, this isn't political. This, this is, is not, just this facts. Is, this and, is apolitical. This, right, this is just right. the deal. This is what we live in. And I, I, I want to use words because I think when we put words around some of these ideas, it removes its power and we, we can see the ridiculousness of some of it. So I just need you to know I am a man and I love being a man. I'm not (laughs) hating on men, but I am going to call your ass out on some things that you need to be called out on that I need to be called out on. Um, How we talk about women, we need to be called out on that. That's not hating on men. That's just loving women. Yeah. And I'm a woman who's been hurt and traumatized violently by multiple men in my life. Um, And I don't hate men. Hmm. I have I have a space for so much love for my brothers and I know good men. I know good upstanding righteous men that I adore mm-hmm. and I have so much hope for us side by side. I have so much hope for that. We can do this. We've just got to be open to it. Yeah. And so the next couple of weeks we're going to take on this. We've got some great guests in store. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you, you, if you like to watch cops, you're not going to want to miss one episode because <laughs> we're bringing in the big guns for that one. Um, I'm excited about that. Um, if you have questions, email us. If you have thoughts, if we've said some things, again, like Emily said, we live in this world. And so sometimes we talk about it like you know what it is. So if, if we need to bring clarity on something, please email us. DM us, whatever you want to do, send some smoke, whatever. We want to help bring clarity because we want everyone to walk away with a grasp and an understanding. That's how we're going to do this together to make change is if we're all on the same page. So thanks. let's Brett. go take these kids to school. And get <laughs> let's back do to it. Nama. Back to school. Thanks, guys, for listening. And uh, just remember to share the love. Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus Said Love podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to awaken hope and empower change with us. We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review Yes, because your voice matters. It's how we get this message into the world. And lastly, be sure to follow Jesus Said Love on Instagram and Facebook for up-to-date info and visit the website at jesussaidlove.com for how you can join the JSL fam. Until next time. Share the love.